0: Today, we talk to Joni Leeds, newly awarded Grammy winner and creator of The Beautiful and Strong, on Benny Asking People Questions. Today's guest is not quite like anything I've come across. Her most recent album, Grammy-winning no less, is in no way indicative of the enormous catalogue that has come prior to this release, yet somehow this album is exactly what you could imagine coming from her. Not that it's musically similar, nor is it lyrically. its lyrical content similar, but rather it is delivered with the honesty and heart, and for the lack of a better word, the integrity of all her work. And I guess that's what makes her work so special. It is her, front and centre, and I never feel she is giving the listener anything other than who she is intrinsically and truthfully. Her latest album, All The Ladies, is an album of total honesty and delivers a message which horrifically seems to still need to be sent but ultimately will add to the growing tidal wave that will wash about change. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Joni Leeds, all the way from where we'd all rather be, uh, New York. So hi, Joni. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, look, I've, I'm... I've been fortunate enough to have spoken to a few Grammy winners in the past. Very lucky indeed. However, I must say I have never spoken to uh, an artist within a week of them having won their <laughs> Grammy. <laughs> so look, <laughs> before we get into anything else, uh, let's just deal with the pure euphoria of that. How's that. How's this week been for you?
1: You know, it's been a really wonderful week. I have no complaints as far as the winning of the Grammy and everything that's come after it. I can't, I can't complain. It's been busy. I feel, so I'm a type A individual. I try to get things done very quickly. I don't like, emails piling up. So of course, Mm. to me, as soon as I won, it was like, (laughs) there was correspondence coming in every direction, as you can imagine, which I was so grateful for. But it was like Facebook messages, um, Instagram messages, emails, text messages, voicemails, calls, like everything. And then the Facebook just, you know, it yeah. was it was nutty so of course i'm trying to to respond to everybody in a personal way and 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 it were, there were thousands of them and and it felt really good Not just to hear congratulatory messages, but also just to hear what people were saying about Mm. it really just, you know, meaning a lot to them and, and their families and their kids. So I just, I, I finally caught up. (laughs) It's a long way of saying I finally caught up. (laughs) (laughs) Has
0: it, I mean, this is a really, this is a pretty silly question, but I mean, has it, I mean, you've been doing this for a very long time. Um. And you've got an enormous amount of music under your belt, and there's a lot of releases, and not just children's releases, your, your own stuff as well, your grown up music as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Do, do you see this win as kind of a celebration of the album that you've just released, Auras? Or, or do you personally look at it as a, as a celebration of everything you've done up until this moment?
1: I think it's both. Honestly, it's my ninth children's album. Um, As far as the Grammys go, I've put eight of my nine albums up for consideration Mm. um, and I've never been nominated before. Um, So I feel like this album was something very special to me. Obviously, Mm. the content was a lot different Mm. than any of the other albums that I'd ever put out before. Um, it was very intentional and I put together a really wonderful team. And I should say my producer helped tremendously putting together this incredible team. And that's Lucy Calantari, also a Grammy winner, now two time <laughs> Grammy winner as she's the producer. Um, so, you know, for me, it it was a, a celebration of the album and, and the, the content of that album, but I've worked really hard um, over the past plus, you know, decade plus, mm-hmm. And I feel like not that I mean, not that I was deserving because I've been in the game long enough, but I have paid my dues as far as um, touring the country and playing some of the top venues in the country and um, really hustling. So I feel I feel both girls, girls, if girls ruled the world girls, girls. If girls ruled the world, girls, girls, if girls ruled the world, think about how different our lives would be in a matriarchy. Oh, how different.
0: Before we get into all the ladies, because obviously it's an incredibly important album and it is the album that you won for, I I kind of feel like I need to set a bit of a musical historical tone of your music because I kind of was listening to all the back catalogue just, you know, kind of getting my head around where you, how you ended up here Um, Mm because it is quite large. um, And... it, it has grown musically. I think I can really pinpoint a few moments that have really... There's this. There's little moments within all these albums that I kind of go, aha, uh-huh, I can see where that became more prevalent in what you went on to do further on down the track. Um, however, let's mm-hmm. just really nuts and bolts. It, there's a real country rock sound going on through all of your work. Is this fair or is this a terrible insult?
1: No, that's. I think it's very fair. I actually... Um, had two of my albums that were done and produced by a wonderful team in Nashville. So um, these guys are, yeah. So um, I did my vocals in New York. Well, most of my vocals in New York for those two albums, but in Nashville, um, my album, um, I'm a rock star and what is zoo. And I actually record recorded both of those albums all in one trip in a week. And then spread them wow. out over two years to release them. Wow! Yeah, um, so that those were my second and third, or was it my third and fourth albums? Uh, I think it was my third and fourth albums. And um, yeah, I've always, I've always really gravitated. I'm not like a country music fan, but I, I love Americana and folk music. Mm. So I, I think I grew up listening to a lot of folk musicians, um, you know, Joni Mitchell, um, Bob Dylan, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think you've hit that right on the head. You hit the nail on the head.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I also, one other thing I hear a bit that crops up in the albums and seems to crop up a bit more as we move through them is, you know, I th- um, I think a really good example is stories from the road off Good Egg. Is it's almost got this Dixieland thing going on as well? Which I and correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> because I am from the other side of the the world. Um, mm-hmm. Dixieland is still very closely related to country rock as well, isn't it? It's it's sort of coming from the same place and has the same backbone, doesn't it? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's. That's pretty close. i That's a really funny song to bring up because I've actually I don't know if I've ever sung that live at a concert. <laughs> that's one of those I guess what do they call them trunk songs? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. one of those songs that I really like that song, and i I love that song because it really tells secret stories that have happened on the road, like, oh, okay. and so, but but um, I thought it would be really funny you know, as a songwriter, you're always kind of trying to look at interesting stories to tell in an interesting way. So for that particular song, I mean, there was a time when we were in St. Louis and a tornado wiped out the airport and my keyboard (laughs) player had just gotten there like Two minutes before, oh and then and then the airport was gone and we couldn't fly home and we had to take an overnight bus till I think it was like an eight-hour bus to Chicago because wow. it was the closest airport. I mean, these are the stories from the road. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. There was this time in St. Louis where Scotty almost flew away. The sirens wailed before we knew it. A tornado made it hard for us to play. What goes down when the band's in your town You never know what goes on before the show Behind the scenes, now we're coming clean These are the stories from the road These are the stories from the road They're- Are you on the road much? Well, now, no. Yeah, no, but not before, now, of course. Yeah. Before, um, yeah, as far as children's mus- musicians go a lot of us aren't on the road for four months at a time. It's not like that. Mm. Most of our shows are on over the weekends because that's when most of of the concerts are. So um, oftentimes I'm away every weekend or I used to be Um, Mm. now my, I share custody um, of my daughter with my ex-husband. So I try to arrange my shows in the before times. I mean, before COVID. So, the weekends that i don't have her um to fly and then if i have her and, it, and it's drivable obviously that's a little bit yeah, easier but sure. i try to i try to arrange it around her schedule yeah of course um
0: i think parenting full stop is about arranging your schedule around your child's schedule isn't it i mean i think that's it's pretty much including dinner and uh bedtime um <laughs> so yeah the other the other elements, like when I go back to talking about that kind of the you know the 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 country rock style and also just these little mm-hmm. Dixie land elements coming in, there is one element to your music that you'd repeatedly revisit. Um, and it and it's kind of this pop rhythm-based stuff. I'm a rock star, has more cowboy bell, bandwagon mm-hmm. has love New York. Good Egg has drummer Dan, Brooklyn Baby has pizza. It's this secret love for you, I imagine. And and, I, and I'm, and, it, but you seem to drop it in every album. I mean, even all the ladies has the, some of those elements drop you, not quite as overtly as in those other ones I just mentioned, but you're always dropping in these real kind of pop beat based songs, but then you just drop one and then move on. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that just a <laughs> secret? Lo- I mean, is this just a secret love of yours? Or do you just, I mean, do you ever just want to go, you know what? Can just the whole album be like this, maybe? Or is it, I don't know like wh- feel- where where does it start and where does it stop for you having that that kind of that particular element
1: I guess It's funny that you that you pinpointed that because I don't I don't know if I've ever really had an album before All the Ladies that had close to just one genre I mm. feel like All the Ladies was very folk kind of like a country folk but But um, all of my previous albums, I intentionally didn't want to stick into one genre. So I had, you know, I want to be green is very country. There's always the pop song. There's the rock song. The funk song. There's even like crazy like punk song Mm. on a couple of them. Like the world,
0: the world is uh, what's that? What's that? Rainbow bagels, amazing.
1: Rainbow Bagels? Yeah, from amazing. Our <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so out of place. What's it doing there? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, I never really want to stay in the box. I just want to be all over the place. But I think that's the funny thing about kids. They're not listening to the album saying like, yeah. oh, that's a little bit different than that song. Like, they, they're they into all different things anyway. So I never felt like I had to have it produced in this very specific way. But for all the ladies, I intentionally wanted it to be kind of sounding the same, like under the umbrella of folk, and that was intentional.
0: When you're writing for children as opposed to writing for adults, do you, do you personally, as a musician, find yourself a bit freer to explore multiple genres? I mean, did did you, do you feel because it's it's quite a common theme that when um, musicians write for children that they do sort of go, hey, there's kind of very little rules. Not that there's a lot of rules with music for adults, but th- there is a sense of more freedom when you're writing for children. I mean, is that That multi-genre work, I mean, is that something that you think is more attributed to your children's work as opposed to the work that you do for adults?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that a lot of children's musicians now, they they really, a lot of them cater to the adults. And I don't say that in a condescending way. I say that in a way that they're looking to get placed Mm. on radio. They're looking to get written up in this, blog or this radio station or, or sorry magazine or whatever it is um i i think that a lot of musicians are a little bit less free uh, about what they want to do because sure. they want it to sound very specific but i i think i don't know maybe that's why i never <laughs> got nominated until this year who knows <laughs> yeah well there's the know. answer <laughs> well yeah clearly clearly that's the reason no i just um I, I never really wanted to to listen to do the rules i just i wasn't i don't know i i've never been really a good yeah. rule follower i right. i have listened throughout my career i mean i i've gone to these conventions and and you know listened to other people and you know this is what the let me say that again just the advice from my peers the advice from people in the industry and i've I've tweaked along the years a little bit here and there. Um, I think when I first started out, I worked in a nursery school and at a Gymboree Play and Music, and I was around mostly zero to three-year-olds. So the music that I was creating at the very start of my career, the songs from my first album, City Kid, are really kind of like jump up and dance type yeah, of songs, absolutely. you know, like do it do it songs like clap your hands, stomp your feet. Perfect for two-year-olds. Mm. That's not really what I'm doing anymore. Even though I still work as an early, uh, edu- edu- an early music educator, I just, um, I kind of gravitate more towards story songs. And in these early days, when I was really learning about kids' music and I was brand new to it, um, one of the conventions that I went to I think it was maybe one of the radio people had said, you know, I really we really like to play story songs or songs that aren't kind of those get up and dance Mm. and touch your toes and touch your nose type Mm. songs. And that's that's what I was doing at the time. So I shifted. And so that was that was um, intentional also. But I also think that my audience shifted. Because they started getting bigger and older, um, sure. and I wanted to, I wanted to make music that was, you know, my now two, three, four-year-olds are now six, seven, and eight-year-olds. Mm. So it, it gives you a lot of room, though. Your audience is always aging out, um, so you know I, I could go back and start doing albums just for twos and threes but i I kind of like this
0: six to ten year old group, yeah, and i guess I guess it goes back to what you were saying before that you know when you, it's you know it's it's not about you know it, having the enjoyment to step outside of the rules and do whatever you want. And I think that's one of the liberating things about children's music is is you're you can write something that's still as relevant and as powerful in thirty years from now. It doesn't necessarily. You know, because you're not adhering, because it's a genre that is really celebrating the, just celebrating the child, and, and not getting too caught up in styles and so on and so forth. That it kind of gives it a different type of longevity. And like you're saying, that you know, you can just keep writing with those previous albums already exist, and that's already there for those two year olds. Yeah, yeah. So you can still do those concerts because you've got that entire back catalogue, but now you've got this extra. I don't know. I mean, I I kind of listening to, I I, I, I don't know if you can remember back this far, because I I struggle to remember back to yesterday, but Bandwagon, (laughs) Bandwagon for me, felt like a real awakening for you musically. Like, and I think you sort of just explained it, that, you know, with things like I Love New York, Cannon Song, Night Lights, um, they're bigger, they're more produced. It, it feels like it redefined what you understood what children's and family music was or what it should be. And I think you've kind of already explained that because you, you went from these real overtly action songs, which is really, you know, which is kind of usually what happens, you know, and then you start going, hang on, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, is that kind of the moment? Was that about when you were thinking about that? Or was that the, that point where you stood back and just went, you know what, this it's this is kind of where I just assumed it should be? But yeah,
1: I I think you're right. I think that bandwagon and um, Good Egg, I produced those two albums with um, Dean Jones, um, and he produces a lot of the other um, children's musicians hmm. that you probably have spoken with before. Okie Dokie Brothers. Yeah. I mean, pretty pretty much every. I mean, he's he's done done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so this was back in I want to say 2000. 13 or 14, maybe 15, some, something around there. Um, yeah, I had a really good idea of where I wanted my music to go. And I think those were the two years that I actually started doing Kickstarter campaigns. So I had a lot of fans behind me that were supporting the album. And, um, definitely, I, you know, I I felt really good about those songs, but I also felt good about the two albums that I recorded in Nashville. What a Zoo was an yeah. animal album. That's, mm. a, that's a, the first concept album that I did. And it was actually my top-selling album out of all my albums until yeah, All the right. Ladies.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's, it's I, I love the sound of those two albums. They sound very polished, very Nashville. Mm. And then I think that Dean got a really good idea of the sound that I was looking for in Bandwagon. For sure. Yeah. Right.
0: It's funny. You should talk about what a zoo because that, that incredibly conveniently walks me straight into my next question. Um, originally what I was going to ask about is not even ask, but just bring up the fact that sea cow opens with the line with a face only a mother could love. Um, <laughs> which I Just have to purely point that out. Cause it's awesome. Um, <laughs> but Thanks. but it kind of it's it's in relation also to the album Meshuggah because there's there's a thing that you do and this will be the last question before we sort of let's get into all the ladies it's and correct me if i'm wrong but it's 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 a combination of um traditional jewish songs is that correct a lot as well as original compositions that from what i can tell are celebrating
1: the Jewish life, is that is that fair to say? Well, all the songs on Meshuggah I actually wrote on my okay. own. Okay, alright. So they're, they're all originals. Um, there's a couple with, I'm trying to think if I'm confusing it with Hala Hala. No, I, I believe every single one is an original. Okay. I've taken Holidays and I've sung some songs about Holidays mm. um, and I, I self-produced that. It's, um, so I work in uh, as an early childhood mu- uh, music educator in uh, Jewish nursery schools. So yeah. there was a need for me to do music for the you know the, yeah. the, the kids that I teach for, and everyone just kept on asking like when are you going to put out a Jewish album? What are you going to do that? So I did one as a, a co-write back in oh gosh, I guess it was my second album Kala Kala, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is a Jewgrass album that I did with my friend Matthew Check. <laughs> Um, and we actually just put out an adult album last year right before the pandemic, which was the first time we had worked together in 10 years mm. So, and then I, I hadn't done an, another Jewish album until Meshugana, which I recorded when I was pregnant and I released it right after my daughter was born so I kind of had that in mind like I wanted to have something to yeah. release when when I was going through like <laughs> the beginning of motherhood, because <laughs> yeah, sure, I yeah, knew that exactly. was going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, I think what what the
0: reason I brought that album up though, because it's also very similar to what a zoo is. Is there's this really beautiful thing that you have where you speak on behalf of a child? It's not even on behalf of a child. Sorry, let me take that back. You you. And I feel like michigan is a good example, and so is Water Zoo of, of of being able to share in the wonder of the things you see about you. It's not an album saying, hey, then this happens and this happens and, hey, look at this bird and, oh, look at this, look at the sea cow. It's it, they're albums where I feel you're sitting next to a child observing this thing and telling the child, this is how this thing makes my heart feel.
1: Yeah, you're totally right on that. I think that, that it's probably half. Thank goodness for that. Half exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you've done your homework. I'm so impressed. Oh, wow. I feel like nobody's analyzed me. I feel like I can use you as a therapist. We
0: haven't even got to all the ladies yet. I can't
1: wait. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I, I think some of my songs are, yes, I'm sitting next to a child and observing. And then there's the other the other songs are really first person, um, mm. for example, like Meshugana, um or It Was the Elf. It was well, like a, a crazy song that mm. I wrote from mm. I guess that was I'm a rock star like. I think about what it was like being a child or food fight. Food fight is like another really good one. Like my brother got in trouble again. Like I'm talking about a food fight that broke out in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So I'm using my real life experiences yeah, yeah. to tell this story that like I elaborate a little bit, you know, if you have to. On Friday night when we're feeling all right, and we've had our meal. Then we hoot and squeal. The neighbors know when the music goes on. And we've all gone the sugar. The week's been long, so we're down and we're holding hands like a robber band Bouncing up, bouncing down
0: We've all gone So then let's take this magical leap into an album which, look, let's, for the point of process, acknowledge that it just won a Grammy, but if it's okay with you... I'll sit the Grammy bit aside because I just think it's so much bigger than that. Um, it's just Grammy is such a big, world, you know, highly hashtagged, um, tweeted word. <laughs> um, but just to, just to start off, so like in 2008 you have City Kid and then 2009 you have Hala Hala and this is under Joni Leeds and then you have Rockstar in 2010, you have um, which is under Joni Leeds and the um, Nightlights. Then you have mm-hmm. Water Zoo in 2011, Bandwagon 2013, Good Egg 2014, Meshugan 15, Brooklyn Baby 2017 and all of these are under Joni Leeds and the Night Lights. And then 2020 you have All the Ladies which sees you revert back to just Joni Leeds. Now mm-hmm. I do understand that it is just for namesake but this album is it, it, it is unique and it's unique from, you know, it's messaging and it's content. It's 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 unique, as you said before, and it, you had a very clear motivation behind it, and, which obviously we'll get to. But, but did those things dictate why this album was not released under the nightlights or was it just time for you to go, you know, this is a... Well, I don't know actually. I can't even guess what was the reasoning behind after having, you know, a good solid six albums under the night lights, and and I and I assume along with that becomes a, a career and a brand and a well-known thing. Why? What was the decision to just go? You know what? This is just a Johnny Leeds album.
1: Well, this is a very very uh, involved answer that I'm about to give. <laughs> so brace yourself. I have, okay.
0: Yeah, I've got time. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, when I first started making music for kids, and I did the City Kid and the Hala Hala album, I had not yet put my band together. Um, and so, I did that. I actually recorded "I'm a, uh, I'm a Rock Star" and "What a Zoo" in Nashville before I, I had the, the Nightlights mm. together. But I released it. As Joni leads in the nightlights, anticipating having a band together to oh, release it, and okay. and my drummer at the time, who later became my husband, who is now my ex-husband, um, he had put together a phenomenal group of uh, bandmates. That some of them, actually, one of them, I'm still playing with to this day, um, and so they were with me for a long time. And you know, some of them um, moved and then I replaced them, but they, they were always under the nightlights and, and that happened for about 10 years. Mm. But then, then, um, when I did this project, my band was all male and I was the only female. And when I came up with the idea for this project, I wanted to have an all female team yeah. and it's not like I kicked the nightlights to the curb permanently, at least the band members yeah. I'm still planning on playing with. But for this particular project, mm. I wanted to hire female musicians to be the instrumentalists. I wanted to, you know, bring on female vocalists. I wanted to hire mm. a, an all female team on the technical side, mastering engineer, mixing producer and like, all of that. Mm. So I wanted a different type of release and I wanted to rebrand. I, I had a new logo made, um, I know Spotify is now very confused by it, but what can <laughs> I do? Uh, it's kind of annoying that you can't put them together, but I'll just yeah. save that frustration for another podcast. Um, it, it was, it's, um, it was very intentional. And then I will also say that I went through a, a crazy trial and custody battle mm. um, over my daughter with my now ex-husband and, there was a lot of crazy stuff that was going sure. on, and I needed—I wanted to just kind of break free of the name, so yeah. I could move on and kind of turn yeah. over a new leaf and start anew and yeah. fresh and yeah. and shiny. And that's what I did. So yeah, and that's and a long answer.
0: Yeah, well, no, not at all. And I mean, I, it's a great answer. And I guess you know what it does highlight is is the. Which again incredibly conveniently leads me on to the next question um you know <laughs> it does it does highlight this idea of the importance of this album um because i kind- I kind of feel it's a little bit unfair to say that this album is as a result of present times, like I feel like it's been in you for a long time mm-hmm. I feel like it's been like. Is it fair to say that these songs aren't all just as a result of 2020 lockdown and current political climate oh and social climate yeah. and all the climates? I mean, is it is is have these songs been sitting around in you for a long time waiting like I, I don't know, waiting for you to go, is this a kid's album? Is this not a children's album? Is this am am I am I do I feel ready to put this album out? Like I mean, I, I wonder I I guess what I'm asking is was there a lot of ifs and buts and when I'm ready and things that went along with the release of this album or or was it or did you just simply wake up and go, right, this is what has to happen now?
1: Um, Well, what happened was I was at the Grammys in 2018, which was January of 2018, and my dad actually flew in from Miami to take care of my daughter because it was my weekend to have her And so he was babysitting when I went to the Grammys and this was right when the me too movement started. It was like right around that time. I was about three months separated, just having moved into an apartment by myself. Um, And I sat in the audience and that night only one female took home a trophy. Yeah. And during the televised portion of the Grammys and I was just—it was kind of like all of those things were swirling around like a hurricane, and I just took out my phone. I—I I tell the story a lot, but I'll tell it for your audience. I took out my <laughs> phone, and I just—I was like madly typing in my phone, and I—and the—the uh, idea for this album came to me during the Grammys, and I wrote in my phone female album all 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 women like mm. on the you know, I want a producer and I was like writing names of my friends that I wanted to have on the album and and so that's kind of where the idea started but as you can imagine in the middle of a divorce mm. it wasn't really the best time to, sure. to to spend money to start an album to mm. do all of those things so I kind of sat on the idea for a while that it was swirling around and it's You know, when I get these ideas for um, a creative project, like, I can't really sleep. (laughs) I just think about it all the time. Um, But then a few months later, the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative came out. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but research scientists out of California spent a great deal of time and, and researched the music industry as it pertains to women in the industry and also race in the industry mm. from 2012 to 2000. And uh, I think it's 18. Um, and it was really, really telling um, how women are underutilized in the music industry, but mm. also the reasons why. And some, some were really interesting like producers only 2% of producers are women yeah and that's really really low numbers but that's i mean that's that is one of the most alarming yeah. Yeah. um things that came out of it but anyway all that to say that after the grammys after me too movement after being in the midst of a terrible divorce um then seeing the Annenberg report, I I had to get to work. So yeah, no, I, that's uh, when I paired enough.
0: up. Yeah, totally. To yeah. Be a I want to be a singer. I want to be
1: on Broadway. I want to be an abstract artist. I want to be a scientist. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be what you're wanting to be. You will be what you're wanting to be you want... None of the songs were written. I'm not the type of person that just walks down the street and gets a song idea. I am very um, intentional with my songwriting time. It's kind of like an assignment for me. Chill. And it always has been that way. And I usually come up with a title first. And then I'll write the song around that title. So... I spoke with uh, Emily Lazar, the mastering engineer, um, before she I knew she was going to be my mastering engineer. Um, I spoke with Lucy, and, and she agreed to produce it and engineer it and arrange it. And then Great. I think I got a couple of people on the project before I had any of the songs even <laughs> written.
0: <laughs> oh, God, I know, I know that feeling. I think,
1: well, yeah, because I knew the songs were going to come, because i just i knew that they were they were swirling around and i had the titles and i knew like i knew i wanted to write a song about famous women or you know big women in history and that's how i came up with RBG and i mm-hmm. i knew i wanted to write a song about being a single mom and that's Rosie, darling. Mm. And I knew I wanted to write a song about my daughter's um, heartbeat because I had suffered three miscarriages, and mm-hmm. I wanted to put I wanted to put that in the album somehow. So that's for you. Mm. And uh, and then I I always wanted to write a song about um, lions like female lions, mm-hmm. lioness. So that was like actually it's supposed to be the cover of the album was going to be like my face morphed into a lion didn't happen <laughs> went, it went in a different direction completely But like these are all ideas that I had, but no songs written. Um, but I think so. That, yeah,
0: that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I mean what 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 I got from what you were just saying then is this this idea that when something when you know something in your heart just needs to happen, yeah, there's a combination of going well, I'm just going to go ahead and start putting together the the bits of the machinery that I need, but also I, I, I don't. You know, there's, there's something nice about the pressure, you know. You've now got all these people involved going, what's next? And you go, well, it's got to happen now. Like, um, it's, yeah. you know, you've, it, all wheels in motion are wheels in motion. It doesn't necessarily matter which part of the car they are. I mean, you just you start spinning a wheel and you've got to spin the next one. And, um, I mean, I you know, I, I hear all of that as just that's what it meant to you. You knew it had to be made and you knew it was something you needed to, to say. So... Sure, you know, start yeah. ticking those boxes. With with that, I wanted to sort of looking at some of the songs individually. Um, I really got struck by glass ceilings. The, mm. the reason this kind of got me is it is it's a really beautiful love song. And correct me if I'm a, if I'm wrong, but it feels like it's a love song dedicated to ultimately. The optimism of the whole album.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite song on the album. <laughs> oh, great! I love that song. Yeah, it, it's a it's a love song for the album. I feel like it really it encapsulates the encapsulate my ugh, can't speak right now. <laughs> ugh, you know what I'm yeah. you know what I'm yeah, saying. Got it. about it. <laughs> it captures the whole theme of the of the album as a whole. Um, and I wrote it because when my daughter was born about a year later, I read this article from the guardian newspaper um, Four reasons not to tell your daughter, she's pretty. Mm. And when I read it, it really struck a chord with me and I remembered it. And when I started writing songs from this album, I was like, what was that article that I read when Joya was little? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I read it again. And I was like, Oh, I have to write a, st- and and then like, you know, it was, um it was obviously glass ceilings and glass slippers was a, a lyric that I wanted to put in there. And I didn't exactly know how I was going to fit it into the song, but I, my daughter is just obsessed with princesses. Like, yeah. I mean, anything Disney, she cannot get enough. And it's like uh, enough to make me worry (laughs) because (laughs) I'm like, Oh no, is she getting all this crap? And now she's going to, so really like, I I wrote it for her, but I also wrote it for all girls and Mm. all women and all genders really, because Mm. it's, I think it's a message that everyone really should hear. So um, yeah, that I, I really like the way that came out and my dear friend, Uh, Chava Morel is the the singer on that uh, singing lead and I'm singing her harmony.
0: From the moment
1: you're born Little girl, you will hear You're so pretty, you're so precious Aren't you a darling? From the moment you're born Me, forever be happy just like the movies
0: but I think I think what's really beautiful about the song is you know you you do swing between um, you know there's songs on that are, that are very very upfront you know and they and they're very crystal clear mm-hmm. and there's no there's no muddling muddying the waters you're very clear on what you want to say and then there's other moments that are you know, really heartfelt and probably step away from more of the immediate message. But, but this, the glass ceilings just kind of marries it all. It just brings it all. it's probably a terrible choice of words, but it kind of brings it all <laughs> together, you know, brings it all together in this, <laughs> under this one umbrella and kind of just, I don't know, it provides the whole album a space to sit, I guess. Like it kind of, like, um, you know, you, you could take two songs that on the outside might have two type of approaches and two type of messages but then under but then under the guise of glass ceilings, they're all part of this bigger picture and that's not so much a question but it just really stood out to me because because then looking at it from that perspective, I look back and went, oh my God, this is a real love song. This is a genuine love song and it's a love song mm. to the hope and the possibilities. And the potential i think the potential of what can be released um
1: yeah through I, the messaging for, in this
0: song yeah in this album
1: thank you yeah that's i feel like the songs from the album that people resonate with the most are that one and rbg just because she was such an important political figure but um and everything that she stood mm. for for equality but but glass dealings is one of these like the video just got passed around a lot yeah. and i just did um an acoustic version of it which i released last week and and people um really just respond to that yeah, song college. in this really really lovely way and i think yeah i think they feel that too what you were saying you feel on the inside and we'll break glass ceiling Breaking glass ceiling Glass ceilings. Glass ceilings. Breaking glass ceilings. Glass ceilings. Glass
0: ceiling And it's obviously no coincidence that it comes directly after Margie B. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to yeah. all make total sense, doesn't it? Um, there are two songs I kind of want to pluck out from the whole album. There's "Lift Me Up," which is another beautiful song about acknowledgement. It's it's kind of this need for everyone to participate. Um, mm-hmm. But you got that. You've got that line in it where you say, "I have your back," will you have mine, and it feels of all the songs, there is a. <laughs> strangely for me this feels like the one that has the greatest sense of urgency yeah originally I wrote down frustration but that's that's not fair I think the urgency like it's 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 really you almost I I don't even know how to say because it's not pleading it's not begging or it's more like a reminding or something that you're just saying listen this this just has to we have to do this together um and there was probably a lot of space for frustration in there. I mean, was it was it a hard song to weave your way through and keeping true to what you wanted to say?
1: Um, well, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's kind of more of an anthem than anything else. I was hoping that that would be kind of like the anthem song mm. where women would listen to it and feel, like, empowered and, like, yes, let's lift each other mm. up and, When I wrote it, I had this quote in mind, which isn't like completely child friendly, but it's the Madeleine Albright quote. There's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. (laughs) And I was like, that's what I wrote down on on my paper. Yeah. And I was like, "How do I make that more kid-friendly?" <laughs> so well,
0: and that's that's what I mean by keeping it positive because I, I can hear that there's that sense of frustration in there, but somehow, and that's why I wanted to single it out because you do it so beautifully. you do you do say something that you might ordinarily get quite frustrated about,
1: yeah, i think I think that the frustration really belongs into the last song on the album, if, if I want, I'm I'm not trying to correct you, but as mm. far as like from a from a songwriter's perspective, really lift me up. Um, well, the song is the title track is all the ladies and mm. lift me up is kind of the hook, but that one, I really never felt like this negative vibe in it. It's, it's really more of, of, um, I would say just kind of like a, a course correction. Yeah, like sure. Yep. When you're when you're younger and there's only one seat at the table for a female, mm. then you're all kind. Of, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say hating on each other, but you're very competitive yeah. for that spot, yeah. and everybody's vying for it. But uh, you know what happens is, as you get older, you realize that if somebody, a female, succeeds, then you're succeeding too, indirectly. And the more females that succeed, the more females will will succeed. Mm. So that was really the message that I had with all the ladies. But in stark comparison to Half of the World, which is the last song, Mm. that song has a real clear message, like, I'm calling out to you from half of the world, (laughs) from all of us girls. Hello, like, we are literally half of the world here, and we don't we don't get a say. So that was like my frustration song.
0: Yeah. Well, that was the other one I wanted to pull out. So I'm glad you sort of brought that up because, you know, there's that beautiful line we're calling out from half of the world, from all of us girls. And what I really love about this is, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's the first time you switch your focus to men. Mm-hmm. And it is a plea and there's something desperately heartfelt about it, but, but, you know, I, I can only imagine it must've been very hard to, to try to keep it. Oh, God, you know, child friendly. But I mean, yeah, it's...
1: I wanted to make it kid friendly. I think so <laughs> yeah, when I write, <laughs> <laughs> when I write a bit. song, yeah, I know. If, if, look, if I was writing this for adults, it would have been a very <laughs> yeah, different song. Sure. Yeah, but um, when I write a song, I always I I always handwrite them and then I transfer it onto my computer and I always write notes next to the song. And as we were talking, I opened my computer, I cracked it open and and found my notes because I feel like the inspiration I'm I'm always, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I want to be like, wait, why did I write that song again? Uh, Oh, right. uh. This is what was in my head. So this is what I wrote. Why is it, for thousands of years, females, the very gender who puts all humans onto this earth, has to fight so hard to have a voice in politics and religion? It seems so backward. In some countries, even bringing this opinion to light would be catastrophic or deadly. Why? Mm. This is a call to the men who won't listen or allow females to participate in the conversation or have a say in our own bodies, in our well-being. I'm calling out to you From half of the world From all of us girls
0: those two songs in particular, because the the, the um, half the world and also uh, lift me up, is, I just they really, you know, I, I you you can't because like i was saying at the start i i think one of the genuine things about you or one of the things about yourself and your performance and your your writing is you know i'm never i'm never under any misgivings that i'm being presented with anything other than you it is you mm-hmm. it's you truthfully and wholeheartedly there in everything that you you know you you present and and these two songs knowing, knowing that and having that in mind both of these songs i just kind of was like that's that I feel like there was another particular version of you that might have wanted to come out a bit harder in both those songs, but under the circumstances, and it is child friendly, you sort of weren't able <laughs> to do that and and was that difficult because the other ones I think I mean everything else I think you get to really say what you want to say, whereas these two mm-hmm. you know you had you had parameters you talk about things that you probably would love an opportunity not to have parameters on, you know, in a a way, maybe. I mean, I could also just be reading too much into it. but
1: No, I I never really felt like I was stifling myself um, for the sake of the song or the album. Um, I just always thought about it in terms of what would be a kid-friendly way to explain the way that I'm feeling as an adult, a frustrated woman, frustrated, mm. you know, divorcee, a mm. uh, single mom. Like I was, I was really trying to put it all in there. I do remember very early on though, now that you say, now that you mention it, I think early on, as we were starting these songs and I, I handed them over to Lucy. She's like, we need to f- make sure that this is like a children's album. <laughs> because I think when I first gave her the song, she was like, yes, and because she's very positive in her constructive crit- criticism, and she's like, we just need to, you know, like, there should be some children on the album. I'm like, yes, yes, of course, of course, don't worry. We'll, it'll be kids. I promise. I promise. Like, I, we both write children's music like we know how to do this, but it, it was kind of teetering on the. Going out of the children's genre a little bit, and then maybe yeah. that's what you're sensing. <laughs> you're yeah, sensing well, that vibe. I
0: think. I th- I think
1: so. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yes, and no. Like, I, I actually, really, at the heart of it, I just think they're really, they're really. Um, I just think they're they're really beautiful. I think I think you've taken a very difficult subject to put in a children's genre, and you've done it really spectacularly. Really, I think is at the heart of what I'm saying. I, I just think they're really. You know, I mean, the whole album's a triumph. Um, I just could imagine these were probably the hardest ones to kind of keep within a, a children's world. Um, talking about the children, though, it, that, that intro or the, or the RGB, is it? No, Sorry, When I Grow Up? What's the, were the children all?
1: Oh, um, anything.
0: Anything. Um, that must have been such a joy to put together that small little audio montage at the start of that song.
1: Yes, um, that was Lucy's idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I give oh, that all to her. she, yeah, she she brought all of those kids over to her house, and my daughter's in there. And my friend Susie Shelton, who's also singing on the album, her stepdaughter's on there, and a bunch of a bunch of kids. And Yeah, it was really interesting. They all came up with what they wanted to be when they Mm. grow up, and and they said it, and we put it all together, and it turned out really, really, really lovely. Yeah,
0: it's great.
1: And then I I ended up doing a music video for that song. Um, I guess it was for International Day of the Girl, which was back in, I think it was August. Um, And so I did the Anything Challenge, um, which you know was like an internet thing that I created, and um, I had a bunch of kids hold up a sign of what they wanted to be, and then I made a music video for it, and it was really fun, and um, got like the whole community involved, yeah, which great. was really it was lovely. Um, yeah.
0: And and the idea of keeping it all one genre is that just because it was it was the message that was the most important thing. I mean, it was just purely to go. I'm not going to confuse this. This is where it's going to sit, and it's yeah. Is that
1: really at the heart I of think it. I, I think because it is a protest album mm. I kind of wanted to go back to my roots And have more of a folksy feel And the instrumentalists that Lucy found I mean, we had an incredible fiddle, fiddle, fiddle player And a cellist and, yeah, wow. and so it kind of just it leaned in that direction Kind of like the, the folk with a country twang On some of the songs, for sure Let's party each other the power of we lift me up lift me up don't
0: Just one last thing, because we are now heading up to an hour, so that's probably, because, um, you know, unfortunately when I really listen back on these, it's usually 40 minutes of me talking. Um <laughs> One thing that you do, which is actually quite rare, which you might not realise is actually quite rare, is all your music, even though it is available on iTunes and Spotify and all the usual outlets, it's entirely free to listen to on SoundCloud, which is um, wonderfully socialist of you. Is that um, is that a considered <laughs> is that a considered thing, or is it just easier for you that way? Or
1: no, I I have it on SoundCloud and then it goes straight to my um, website. So it's streaming that way. And, yep. yes, Socialist, Democratic Socialist <laughs> right here. Bernie Sanders fan, not yeah. hiding. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes.
0: Well, Joni, thank you so much for talking with me today. It, it's, a, it's an amazing album and it's also an amazing back catalogue. And I think what's really particularly special about um, this album is – you know, it just it just means so much more when it's put into the the history of all the music you've made. Like I think, I think what really stands out about All The Ladies is you can really feel the consideration that's gone into this album. If it was just your first album or it was just a one-off album, then it would be like, okay, well, that's a great album, of course. But then when you mm-hmm. put it against the things you've made, it just makes – the intent behind it so much more present, I guess. And it also just well, makes yeah, the way you've you. gone about doing it, I think means so much more. Like you can, I don't know, like, like I was saying at the start, you're, you're very present in everything you do. And this is another really incredible example of how you've done that musically as well, not just lyrically. Um, and um, yeah, thanks. Thank you for, thank for making you. it. And congratulations for, I mean, You know, not that it's about awards, let's be clear. But for this week, (laughs) let's make it all about the award. (laughs) Congratulations congratulations again for winning a Grammy.
1: Thank you. You know, this is an album that I would not have been able to make five years ago. Mm. I wrote this album because of where I was in my life at at the time Mm. and everything that was going on. At that time. So it really it's I don't want to say it's a happy accident because it was rather intentional. But mm. um, but I am really I guess, you know, you make lemonade out of those lemons. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I, ma- I made this album album out of a really kind of terrible time in my life. And I'm really grateful that it had the reach that it did and that people um, really took to it in the way that they did and God. I'm just really really grateful. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time and and really diving into my catalog. I'm so impressed. <laughs> my gosh. No, it's a
0: total it's, it's a total joy. Um, but again I appreciate you taking the time from again from where we'd all rather be in New York. Thanks again. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to know more about Joni, then head along to her website at www.joanieleads.com. That's dot scom And of course, for more Benny Time goodness, just head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, Ask Joni Questions.